0: appearing briefly in Genesis 14 and reiterated in Hebrews 5-7, to Melchizedek is one of the most intriguing characters the Bible says almost nothing about, only mentioned in three books of the Bible. It has not stopped people from discussing this character. Additionally, here is a priest whose faith has been cemented in the new testament in fact the new testament often compares melchizedek the king of salem and priest of god most high with jesus moreover making his entry after abraham defeated five kings he declares a blessing on abraham and in return receives a tenth of everything Abraham owns. Is he like Jesus? Some say yes, some say no, and others say he is just a guy who worshiped God. Nevertheless, he seems to be some mysterious figure. And yes, this mysterious figure is going to captivate our minds. In today's episode, we are gonna focus on the Bible Corrector Melchizedek but today as your host I can't do this by myself and as you guys know my usual co-host Pastor Daniel Charles from the Ephesus Ephesus Seventh-day Adventist Church in New Orleans. How are you doing my brother? What's going on man? I'm so excited to be here. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good It's been a good week It's the Sabbath And um, I'm just I'm just blessed I'm just blessed Amen And we have a special guest for you guys Some may know him personally Some may have just heard him speak But we've got a good friend of mine Pastor Warren Gillen
1: Someone I've known for a few years now warren how are you doing my brother hey Kessel man it's good to see you man good to be here with, with you and, and daniel um, just grateful that you have um just kind of invited me onto onto this podcast and um, this significant podcast so listen i appreciate uh, you extending this this invite to myself
0: Amen. Amen. And Warren, just for our viewers to just familiarise themselves with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, maybe a couple of your interests?
1: Hey, man, listen, man, my name is is Warren. Um, I'm currently serving two churches in the Reading area, which is basically a suburb of of London. Um, I'm just... Uh, a normal blog man a normal blog just wanna just wanna just uh, lift jesus up um you know I, I enjoy playing football watching football talking about football supporting football everything football um you know and that if i have a, a little bit more spare time i kind of spend some time on, on on the playstation every now and then um but listen i'm just i'm just a normal blog man just just trying to trying to make it man amen
0: amen once again bro thanks for thanks for joining but you know as we as we move forward um we're gonna sort of go straight in and and guys melchizedek i'll be honest i've been a a christian i've been a Day adventist for my whole life (laughs) like my whole life and i've i've heard the name mentioned I've even heard, like, maybe sermons or it being mentioned in passing. But I had no idea who this guy was. Although he was not a Jew, he still worshipped God. And, like, in those times, especially people who weren't like other people in Canaan, it was, or very rarely, did he ever find someone who was in a sort of secular... A sort of location or region but worshipped the one true god because of the large influence of paganism of uh, idolatry and of all of these things but um let's say warren can you can you tell us a little bit who um who was Melchizedek?
1: yeah firstly man just to just recognize what you're doing with these kind of unsung heroes I think um, a lot of the times when we when we kind of speak about even in movies and whatever we're doing, we normally only hear about the the, the main characters, the heroes. Um, but it's good what what the, what you're doing, the work that you're doing here with the significant project in bringing out and drawing out these figures that are absurd or these figures that we haven't seen or heard about. Just like you, Kes, um, this is not a man that we I knew a lot about. This is not a, a dude that you would that you will see come up in you know Bible studies or your 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 Sabbath Sunday school lessons or your Sabbath school lessons, what whatever whatever day you're, you 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 were doing that. Um, so you know this is this is good, and I really hope that you know we all can just learn something of the process, as I have learned from this process about this individual called uh, Melchizedek man, and just from just 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 seeing him both in Genesis and in Hebrew like what what we understand about him is that he's just this this king and this priest and it's with those two um titles that we are introduced to melchizedek um this this king of of Salem which i understand was Jerusalem um <clears throat> so just in, in 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 brief this is this is who um, th- this man is Melchizedek uh, king of righteousness he's a king of Salem which is which is obviously peace um so it's this two identities of king and priest righteousness and
2: peace you, you know Catholic like and and pastor, like you know, reading this story, I, the first time I kind of came into contact with Melchizedek, I was watching a Bible movie, Abraham. And you know, I I'm the kind of guy that I like I, I like war, I like all types of violent movies. I'm sorry, I'm not telling you this is like it is. It just it just is what it is. And I, I'm it, it stops in this part of the movie to where Abraham is giving some money to Melchizedek. And I'm just like, okay, let's move on, let's get to the, let's get to the other parts of the story because this is just this is just it is what it is. But it wasn't until Bible class in high school to where I actually came into contact with this guy to learn more about him. I was really trying to figure out what's the significance of this guy. Can this guy get me saved? Is knowing about him, can he get me saved? And if not, let's just scratch the surface. But I think as we go into this, as we go into this podcast and and learn more about him, I think we find out that his significance is very much needed in understanding the word. Um, Very much needed in understanding who Jesus is as well and his role in the priestly, kingly line. So I think it's actually, of important as we go throughout this um melchizedek as as, as pastor warren was talking about like he's he's his guy he's king of salem he's also a priest he comes into contact with abraham and it's crazy one of the things that I'm, I'm looking at like abraham abraham in the text he has this experience with god as we see throughout all like god comes into his his, his life and says listen i'm about to make you a great nation you got to move from this place and go to the next place And there's a series of battles, a series of conversations that he's having with God. And Melchizedek pops in the picture. We don't know his birth. We don't know his parents anything like that. He pops in the picture, and he's just blessing Abraham. And Abraham is giving these tithes. Now, I know Abraham. If you know Abraham, Abraham is going to ask questions. He's going to see who is this guy, whatever the case is. But Abraham literally obeys and gives him tithes and is blessed by Melchizedek. And it's just just crazy. One thing that we can take from seeing this story in Genesis chapter 14 is the fact that Melchizedek is not coming to conquer. He's not coming to be evil. He's not coming to be wrong, to to wrong someone else. He's just coming to bless someone. And uh, just just a quick little point that I'm going to throw out to our viewers, our listeners. Listen, a lot of times we come wanting to take things from other people, as the king of Sodom did in the text. But yet, have we ever had the mindset of just coming to bless someone? So, uh, you know, to give them blessing. You know, we're going through a, a pandemic right now. Uh, people in Texas right now in the United States are going through a, a lot with this cold weather and some without power. Are we able to bless someone instead of wanting something from someone as the King of Sodom did? And I think Melchizedek, that, that simple point of blessing someone, I think that means a lot.
1: Yeah, Daniel, I think you hit the, the nail right on the head um, because just living in just this time that we're living in, man, I mean, nobody's nobody ever gets accolades for blessing somebody um, for being somebody that gives for being somebody that you know puts themselves on a back burner and think about somebody else and I think it's, it's 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 so important even within where we are placed as society at the moment to ensure that we are, we are of a blessing and and you, you kind of made mention of it of the comparisons of the two kings, the kings of Sodom and the kings of Salem and the, the author also um, seems to be comparing the two the two kings and how um, the king of Sodom is demanding Abraham to kind of come over to him and then we have just you know Melchizedek who is just saying I'm thankful thank you I'm gonna bless you. And, and, and I'm just thanking you for what you have done in, in, in for me and, and for, for us uh, during, during, during this. And th- that's it. I think that we, we have to learn to be a blessing to somebody else. And, uh, and I think in a time and an age where everybody wants to receive, everybody wants to take, what can you offer me? What can you do for me? You know, I think this is a, it's a humble reminder that we are really here to be a blessing to somebody else. That we are really that God has really situated us in our lives, where we are in our families, situated where you are, even in your careers, not necessarily uh, for yourself only, but also to bless those that you run into contact with. And 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 here we find Melchizedek in the circumstances that they're in um, has 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 been been a blessing to Abraham. And it's interesting because. It's almost like you can't speak about Melchizedek unless you speak about Abraham, and I wonder if you want to do like a back. Maybe we can do a kind of a context of what, how Melchizedek kind of enters the scene, because what we what we understand in Genesis fourteen is that um, we understand that Abraham's I think um, nephew has been captured by um some kings or or, or some, some 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 group of people it's it's there in genesis 14 and, and i didn't really notice about abraham abraham we always always talk about father abraham but this man led like a like a, a war or to go and get his nephew back like this abraham goes goes and, and gets or go into war to go and get his nephew back because uh, he he's been caught in, in possession by by somebody other evil kings and when abraham comes out victorious when abraham comes out with his retrieved a lot and his family abraham is greeted not only by the the grateful king of the dead east uh dead, dead sea sorry confederacy but also by melchizedek and the bible says he gave abraham bread and wine along with his blessing as a priest of the most high and I want to know, and you might have more to share about Melchizedek kind of giving bread and wine. Um, I'm sure you got something
2: to say about that. That was a great point. Uh, just, just, yeah, Melchizedek is coming to bless, and he's, he's coming. And listen, I don't think any of the other kings, because remember, this is a battle going on with kings on this side and kings on this side. And apparently, it seems like Lot has taken his choice to be with a certain group of kings that have lost. <laughs> that, like, they have lost. And You don't see any of the other kings coming to bless uh, Abraham. They just, it seems like they're going their separate ways. I'm not, uh, I think that's what the text in verse 14, in chapter 14, Abraham heard that his nephew Lot had been captured. He's going and attacking. He's like, he's going in attack mode. And it says, Abraham chased them as far as Hoba, north of Damascus, verse 16. Abraham recovered all the goods that had been taken and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. And then the Bible says that in verse 17, that he returns. But it says that I Melchizedek mean, is coming to bless him, you know, to talk to him. It doesn't say anything about the other kings. And I'm just like, man, first of all, I just recovered all of your possessions. And I just, <laughs> I single-handedly, <laughs> like really, I beat you. And yet, you, you know, gratefulness, whatever the case is. Um, can we be grateful? Are we grateful in this day and age? I know we're dealing with a lot and going through a lot. Um, but as our, as our pastor said, like really, Melchizedek um, just shows that blessing part in the midst of it. We just got to be able to be a blessing
0: knowledge. So then, like comparing this day and age to the times that Abraham and Melchizedek, like, because we know that in those times, or at least in this time that they're talking about, it's a like. everywhere the whole environment was not the most impl- most pleasant environment to be in right and we know of everything that abraham did but how is one supposed to operate in an environment and bless the lord when we are surrounded by so much paganism and idolatry and like how is one supposed to to do that? Because the pull of the world seems, I'm not saying is, I, I said seems stronger than the pull of God. It definitely isn't, but temptation has made, has altered or warped our mindset whereby the things of the world seem more attractive. So how does one in this day and age how do we give God the praise and honor and the blessing that he deserves for all the grace and the
1: mercy that he's bestowed upon us? Yeah, I, I, I think um, just to kind of talk about where, where, you, where, you, where you spoke almost about the comparison between just kind of with all what's going on around him and, and, and the and, and secular kind of thing and how do we kind of maintain this level of praise or this level of just thanksgiving and, and i think it's really down to the the, the people the the, the god that, that 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 melchizedek worships i think when we kind of look at the story we see that abraham has not just only helped melchizedek but he has also helped the other kings or the, the other nations who were who are who are pagan who are pagan um kind of worshipers. But that doesn't stop him from doing what, you know, God has called him to do. That doesn't stop him from, you know, doing what he, he believes that, that God has called him to do. And, and I think this, when we look around our environment, there's always gonna be things that are out of our control. There's always gonna be things that we cannot really, you know, grasp or control or manipulate or to change. But we have to ensure that we kind of stay consistent with 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 honoring god with obeying god with 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 staying consistent and i think that all that god has required of us is to be obedient and the success is up to god Uh, god is our responsibility is to be to be obedient our responsibility is to do what god has called you to do and we've got to leave the, the battle up to God, the success up to God, that's God's responsibility. And I believe when it comes to Abraham, his only job is to do, and even Melchizedek, his only job is to do what he is called to do as a worshiper of the one true God. And he sort of just allow what's going on around him to be left in the hands of God. And I think that's where I would land in, in, in regards to this this idea of maintaining a praise to God. It's simply that I'm praising God because I know this is what I'm called to do. This is what I believe should be done, and despite what other kings do, despite the differences in what they are are are, are trying to to show to me or what, what what's going on, I'm just gonna do what I'm called and obeyed to do. This despite the other kings. I just love the way that Melchizedek is just just situated within one of the many kings um, that has been helped, that has been helped. Like, I just like the way that he's just situated within that. And and it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like, obviously, we're all Seventh-day Adventists. And it's almost like when I was, it's like seeing another Seventh-day Adventist on, on the high street or, or downtown that you know. It's almost like Melchizedek and Abraham just connects, um, even though they're situated in and amongst just um, you know other 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 believers. Um, but but I just I just like the way that Melchizedek still maintains his integrity, um, that he he still blesses, that he still gives, whilst the kings of Sodom were saying, Abraham, give me. And Melchizedek says, No, praise the Lord first. I'm gonna bless you. I'm grateful. That's a that's a that's a great point.
0: Bringing it more even closer to Mel there have been a lot of discussion around this guy, and it's understanding who he is, or even what he is, um, could be the question. He he appears out of nowhere. There's no, <laughs> there there are no parents. There's no beginning, there's no end, and the only person we know that that doesn't have a beginning and an end is God and He literally appears as some sort of mysterious figure, and he brings out the bread and the wine for Abraham. You see some scholars go a step further um that like theorizing that Melchizedek may have been a theophany of Christ or the manifestation of deity in contemporary form, like. What's you what are you guys' perspective on on this? Like, because it's almost as <laughs> it, it, you're you're laughing, Daniel, but it's almost as saying, you know how in the Bible the God's face of war is Michael the Archangel. It almost seems as this is another face for God, another character of God. So Anyone, Daniel, Uh, uh,
2: come in, bro. bro, I gotta, I gotta ask this question before we get to that one, cause that's honestly that's great, and that's 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 a great question. But to to you and to and to Pastor Warren, I want to ask this: like, what is the you know? Because as we describe Melchizedek and you're kind of related to Christ, what is the importance of always looking for Jesus in the text to our viewers who you know who are listening? um, You know, a lot of times you know we preach and we say you know. We're trying to look at, look for Christ in the text as if if without him we you know we're nothing and it, it, the text can't really apply. what is the importance of looking for him in the text passage if you can
1: yeah 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 i think uh, just to just to kind of um coincide with you we're we're always kind of taught to to look to find Jesus in the text man and daniel your 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 you're your your you're, uh, you're, 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 you come from the, the mecca of 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 adventism and advent great adventist preachers. Down at down at Oakwood, and and I know that that's something that you have been taught. You know what? what why why do we look for Jesus in the text? And and I, and I think it's really just just primarily asking us. Like the the, the semi question is really, you know, why is Jesus significant for Christianity? That's almost like the question. So why we when we preach about when we're preaching, um, we have to ensure that the core of Christianity is always being is always being expelled and always being lifted up um and 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 expound upon because what we the reason why we do what we do is because Jesus done what he done the reason why we are here the reason why we are even thinking or speaking about melchizedek in this way in this significance is because of a jesus that that came after melchizedek and um it's always just key and pinnacle to ensure that Jesus is 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 in the text. I remember even um you're at Andrews now Daniel and up and, I, and, and uh, about three three years ago three four years three years ago we passed through Andrews man and I remember um when 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 calvin rock one of just a legend in in adventism if you don't know about him just kind of check him out he he released a book the protest and and stuff like that but he came down to andrews to um to speak to the seminarians about just giving us a final discharge and i always remember him saying man listen man preach jesus christ and him crucified." he see he said preach preach the blood of jesus he says leave 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 blood on the altar he said <laughs> listen man he said he says leave blood on the he said listen man when, when, he says and i want to try to do his act he's like listen man when, when i preach and i don't know what else to preach they preach jesus christ and they will crucify it he says make sure you make sure when you make sure before you leave the pulpit you leave blood on the altar he says, preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I think that just really shows the importance of just, just finding Jesus within the text, because even we're gonna discuss this more and more about how Melchizedek almost kind of points towards Jesus, but it's, it's, it's significant to find, find Jesus in the text because he's the really the core of Christianity. He's the really the core of who we are. And, and, and the reason why I find Jesus in the text is because the Bible always seeks to find Jesus in the text. Like the Bible always seeks to point, point us to Jesus in the text like the Bible always seems to allude and to prophesy about Jesus from, from Genesis through to Revelation, we've taken classes like that Daniel, to Genesis through to Revelation like the for enmity between you and, and, and him and he will bruise your hair and you know that, that narrative in Genesis alluded to Jesus Christ To even in Genesis 14, that's Gen- that's like Genesis 3 Genesis 14 we find that pointing towards another priest and we're continuously throughout the Bible for unto us a child is born, unto us a the son is given, we are we are always pointing towards a, pointing towards Jesus. So we do that because the Bible traditionally also points towards Jesus and finds Jesus all the time, and and that's what we want to do.
2: Bro, like I, I just learned something. Like I learned a whole bunch of things. Like you should be a professor. Like <laughs> no, for real, because because gr- growing up, and I say that because be, being in high school, like I told like I told you guys, I was we were studying much deck right, which we studying. Just we studied a lot of things in bible classes, but a lot of the times and let me and let me even say this towards we we took a course in high school on Daniel revelation, and a lot of the times, even though it is important uh, uh, to my listeners out there, dates and times and prophecies in, in revelation are important, but if we miss Jesus like it's all kind of just it, it all comes to not it all comes to dry facts that no one wants. if we miss that relational experience like what does it attain to? And you know, I I thank Pastor for saying that because it you know, it, 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 with, without him, where would we be? What, what will we, we what would we come to, and everything like that. And you know, I, our, our listeners, you know, whenever you know, I know you do your, your your Bible studies and all that sort of stuff. And when you're doing that, please find him in the text because when you find him in the character that you're looking at in, the, in in the scripture that is trying to allude to him, you'll find a characteristic about him that will be so attractive you know what i'm saying like like something that i see in the text in genesis 14 about melchizedek is that he blesses abraham that's sort of a god that blesses that's something when we look to jesus a god that blesses us uh, and abraham's hands are full of blood let me get this right he fought he fought and, and he killed and he killed and he did all this sort of stuff and melchizedek blessed him how many times how many how many how much blood do we have on our hands and, and things that we have done to cause to cause other you know to cause God to not look at us and yet he still blesses us in spite of us. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I think that's the importance and, and and listen, y'all, y'all check check again what what Pastor Wallace said, because that's that's important. Looking looking for Jesus in the text is everything when you're doing this.
0: And you know, just to add upon that, you know, like um, even the Bible, you can go back to texts like from um, John one, 1 where we, in the beginning was the word and the word was it good and the word was God and I, I know within in my life and we can only talk from personal experience but why would I pick up a Bible if I didn't believe that the Bible had power from the God that i serve it makes no sense it's like learning about it's like learning about science or learning about english or learning about music but like not realizing that what is being taught with it from the theory or from the information there's actually some sense to it and there's actually power i can read about music but unless i go and practice it then i will never be a musician i can talk about there is a god but unless i start living the words that are spoken written in the bible i will never be following in a christian or for, or le- living a christian life so um i believe and in just in an answer to your question yes anytime i pick up the bible i must i am picking this up because i know that there is at least one verse in here if not hundreds more that will provide power to any situation or predicament I have in my life. And I believe that 100 billion, infinity percent So, yeah, that's me. You know, like, as we continue to just sort of um we we believe in in the bible and all the teachers and stuff let's now pull it back to what paul teaches because paul in hebrews especially from like hebrews chapters 5 through to chapter 7 paul seems to answer the question that we were asking earlier and it, it he seems to 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 say paul reveals to us that the most important traits of melchizedek like it it rules out that he's no sort of mortal human it seems like he's clearly describing someone who's part of the godhead and it just seems like this is the pre-incarnate appearance of jesus christ himself so it's also reiterated and backed up with verses that are stated in um john 8 but like how do you how do you guys feel about what paul teaches
2: yeah bro so i was reading this week and um yeah i, I, I was reading um uh, in particularly um hebrews chapter five um just just for our listeners who are listening Hebrews five um it says in verse one every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people god. he presents uh their gifts to god and offers sacrifices for their sins and he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because and it, and it goes on so like paul like paul and some scholars say that it was paul who wrote Hebrews. Uh, Others say it was someone else but for using Paul in this situation like he's he's describing the priesthood so he's beginning he's talking about Aaron and later on in chapter 6 and 7 he's talking about Aaron as well and he's just describing the priesthood and it's important because what he's about to lead to will like make everything clear for the Jewish person who is reading this right now so he's talking about the priesthood and he's talking about everything leading up to it. verse in chapter 6 he's talking about oh Aaron's priesthood was this way and this way and and it was like this but he keeps repeating throughout these chapters that you are forever a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So my thing is, just like, what is, he, what is he talking about? Like you, And because Psalms, he alludes back to Psalms. Psalms, David is talking about the same thing. He says, you are forever a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And I've always tried to figure out what that was saying. Um, so, I looked, so we looked at Melchizedek. Melchizedek had no beginning. <laughs> Melchizedek had no end. And Melchizedek is, you know, you could say that he doesn't necessarily sin when you see him in Abraham, like when you see him in Abraham counteract, you don't see any blemish in his character. You see him, that wasn't, uh, Pastor Warren said, king of righteousness. Uh, he's the king of Salem, Jerusalem. So these things are alluded to him, his priesthood. What is his, What does this mean in his priesthood? And the one thing that I think that this kind of tells us about Jesus in this, or what is Paul saying about Melchizedek, is the fact of the matter is that Jesus is going to follow in this priesthood rather than Aaron's. Because Aaron's priesthood has continually been in the atonement, has doing sacrifices. But you don't see Melchizedek doing anything like that. What Jesus does is that he does one sacrifice and he he never has to do it again. And the important thing I think from taking from Melchizedek is the fact of the matter and relating this back back to Christ is that Jesus himself follows this way because he is literally the son of God coming incarnate to be the high priest for us, to intercede for us, and to bless us as he did Abraham, as, as we said on earlier. And I think the importance of this, of what Paul is saying in the text, and he says, and of course, you know, everybody else will comment on, is the fact of the matter is that there is someone greater who has now taken the place and has now fulfilled the typology of Melchizedek. And it's Jesus. And, 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 and here it is. I, I may get beside myself right here. But I'm so glad that it is Jesus because no priest in Aaron's family would be able to take that part. Every last one of them is sinful. Every last one of them is a human being. And the fact that Jesus takes on this high priest role and is still doing this for us today, man, that gives me hope because we we need a high priest interceding for us because I continually do things to, to, to hurt the heart of God and to do this, whatever the case is, and yet I have someone interceding for me and still wants to bless me and calls me to himself. And I think that's one thing for me, for me, I think that's one thing I take from Melchizedek and his typology to Jesus, that Jesus is forever willing to be a high priest for us.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. That's, that's powerful. And just even thinking about when the fact that he he's not in this line of priesthood or, of Aaron is, is that I, I wouldn't want to serve a, a God that. That comes from the line of, of Aaron if you get what I'm saying like I'm glad that he's much more than that because I when we even read within Hebrew I believe seven it talks about how sometimes it's not perfect and sometimes it doesn't kind of go and 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 if the if if the lineage and and the the, the, the line the lineage of 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 the Levitical priesthood worked then we wouldn't need Jesus, but it clearly didn't work. And, and I'm so glad that I, I don't serve a God that's greater than that which we have seen, greater than that which we know about, greater than that which um is found within the traditions of Judaism through the you know Levitical priesthood. And that for me is comforting that we have a high priest, not like not just like what we have already. something that's greater and it gives me great assurance and comfort um that this god is not just bound by these you know earthly traditions or these earthly mechanisms that have been put into place but he works within it and outside it and greater than it and 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 that's and that's that's good that's good news for me that's good news for me i think when we speak about melchizedek it, it, it is there's little to know about him, really. We find him in Genesis, and Daniel said that we found him, and in, in Psalms we find him, in, in also in Hebrews, as we're, we're, we're alluding to there. And that's a that sometimes that's the difficulty when it comes to trying to talk about these in, in, individual because there's a lot of mystery, and a lot of scholars um, have a lot to say about Melchizedek um you know and who, we, who he is you know some of them it's it's, it's so interesting how hebrew writes about him because some of the language like you said it's almost as if kessel um he's like a god like it's just almost as if he's one, he's, he's speaking of one of the godhead um and even for me in, in kind of just preparation for this i've kind of had to really kind of look at this thing read it properly do you know what I mean? I mean, we've all we've all kind of grown grown up into in, in church and and, and gone to Bible school and stuff, where we just kind of peruse over the text, but we kind of had to to actually look at this a little bit more intently and think, man, what is this actually saying? Because it sounds kind of like this is Jesus, like this is G, like this is. Do you know what I mean? But there's a lot of there's a lot of mystery um around him and. And a lot of people have stuff to write about. I I, I, I even read that there were in, I think the third third century, um, that there were Melchizedekians who actually believed like he was like divine, you know, that actually believed. And it was, it it kind of, the Melchizedekians, sorry, kind of quelled out in about fifth century, Um, you know, so it was only kind of lasted two two centuries. Um, But, people for 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 a long for a, while, a long while second to third century like they really believed Melchizedek and they had their self a movement on Melchizedekians um to believe that he was holy and divine because the Bible really paints a very good picture like you said Daniel we we find just 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 um you know we don't find any blemish kind of within the short spaces that we find him in the text but the Bible also paints him in a way, especially Paul in Hebrew, paints him in a way um, that he's almost so po- poetic. He's almost so divine. Um, but I just love the way that Paul writes it. And all, even though he gives so much accolades to Melchizedek, when we read a little bit closer, he makes that clear distinction between Melchizedek and, and Jesus. And that's what makes this, this thing so so much more beautiful. You know, it's crazy. Like um
0: just reading that story and just making the comparisons because even if you take the comparisons from the start just knowing that Melchizedek um was in a place in like in Canaan where it's full of um sort of idolatry and paganism and it's like how could one person even be found worshiping the one true god you then take it however many, however many years in the future and you have Nathaniel saying can anything good thing come out of nazareth and it's like you can for every stage of um jesus life or let's say his characteristics or how he blesses um the people around him you can be like although the story of melchizedek is brief in the bible you can still make comparisons there you can still make comparisons with the characteristics and similarities between it and you can still distinguish the two but you know like coming back to the story we we find um as daniel mentioned uh a sort of bloody abraham because just finished battle just got his nephew back for his blessings like he, out of his own goodwill, Abraham, he gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything he owns, and we know Melchizedek was like the nowadays Bill Gates. You can say like he was the richest man on uh, on the face of the earth at that time, yeah. So a tenth of what he has—that is a huge sum. Uh, that is a huge amount. And for that, he's blessed. And as a result, that has sort of, that has created not just a routine, but it's created a symbol of our gratitude and our thanksgiving for the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us. Daniel Warren, what, comment on this blessing that started with Abraham, but has trickled down into this day and age, the effect
2: of tithe and its blessings. Listen, I am the I am the humble seminarian, uh, the pastor here. You would know a little bit more about tithing, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, y'all. Um, my 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 question is, and as I, as I'm looking at this, like Abraham has to know that this character is significant in some way, because um, it doesn't seem like he says anything. In fact, I don't think he says anything in the text, like in Genesis fourteen. All what Melchizedek says, he says, "Blessed be Abraham by God Most High." Creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemy for you. And then the Bible just says Abraham gives him a tenth of all the tithes. Like Abraham doesn't say anything, so he has to be significant in some kind of way. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think in, in, in this sense, um, Abraham is just—if—if—if if, if we could—if we can could make this assumption, I think it's an okay assumption to make because we've been, you know, talking about this. If—if if Abraham knows that this is a greater than being. Or, 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 or God, perhaps, as we, as, as we talked about in the text. If, if, if he perceives this, then Abraham is showing his gratitude of what he has done. First of all, Abraham and many of his servants, I, I don't think the, the, the Bible talks about how many of his servants probably died in the battle, or how much that he probably lost. He probably lost something. But my thing is, is like he's showing his gratitude for God preserving his life. Because he had 318 people to five kings who got probably thousands of all that, and he defeats them. And, and I, th- I think we, don't, we, don't, you know, we need to look at that a little closely. Like, Abraham defeats the enemy who probably has three times more than what he has. And I, and I think the, out, out of his grateful heart, he gives these tithes. I want to ask uh, Pastor Warren, like, like how, how should we view tithes in, in, in a sense? Like, as, as a church body, whatever the case, how should we view that?
1: in in the context of this story yeah yeah i think we have to when we look at the story of abraham we look at we have to take the kind of the wider scope of this so this is not the first time we're introduced to abraham there but we have seen that god has given abraham a promise this great this great promise um, you know, as not as far as the, the sand on the sea. You know, you know, you, we're, we're familiar with, with 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 that Bible text. And when we we pick up here in 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 this in this story, I believe it's just a it's a continuation of uh, or a reminder of God's promise to Abraham back then through, through this victory that he's won um, in, in 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 this battle. Um, so when you kind of see you know, Abraham um, there giving God uh, or giving Melchizedek a tenth, it's but just a response to what God has already done for Abraham in the battle in regards to saving Lot and his family and in regard to the, the victory that he's won. He's giving God, it's almost as if God is never asking us to give out of a lack, but he always gives us not even necessarily a reason, but he there is there is there is something that, that, that you have to give because God has done something for you. He never kind of asks us to do. He doesn't. He 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 provides and then he says to give kind of thing. And and I think when we look at the timeline of this, when we look at um, just the order of these events, God has given the victory uh, one. He battles. He's won the victory for Abraham, and Abraham in turns gives a a a a tithes to Melchizedek. Um, and it's not the other way around. God provides, then he says to 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 give, um, and I and I and I think that's really the pattern of God. He says, "I'm giving you a pound, you give me ten pence, or I'm giving you a dollar, you give me ten cents. I've given you a victory, so what are you gonna do?" I've I've, I've won this battle for you. So so what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? And to be honest, most people who are grateful, I don't know about you, but if somebody has been so good to you, I'm not sure if you all experienced you just being, somebody's been so flat out good to you, like they don't have to do it. You know, you really need it. You cannot leave and not say thank you or not want to give something back to them. Like has somebody ever um you know fed you or done something so much for you continuously over and over again and you're like man like if you if you're a good person and somebody's been good to you you've got you want to find some way of saying thank you to that person think and 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 I, and I think that's really what what it is here Abraham's wider narrative is that God has given him a promise to be a blessing. Um, you know, and 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 God has won the victory on behalf of Abraham, and not only Abraham, but all the rest of the kings. And and then Abraham returns in, in gratitude, says, you know, Here's, has, 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 here's this, here's this little little thing, there's this thing, you know.
2: Pastor, can I can I can I say this right quick, like um, you said out of a grateful heart. And I appreciate you saying that because, uh, you know, as, as the other point kind of alluded, alluded to, uh, it wasn't uh, a new thing of giving tithes. Like you gave that to pagan gods around, whatever the case is. But the crazy thing is, most of the time when people were given to pagan gods, it was because we don't want the gods to do anything to us. Like we don't want you, like we don't want the gods to strike our crops or to hurt our children or whatever the case is. They do it out of fear. But Abraham does it. Out of gratefulness, like these other gods haven't done anything, haven't done anything for anybody, and yet what God does, He delivers Abraham. Like out of out of a grateful heart, can you can you speak to that just for a little little bit more? Uh, just just being grateful for what God has done for us.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful right there because we find we we we, we find uh, this kind of you kind of put the 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 two comparisons um, of giving out of fear and and giving out gratefulness or giving out of what God has given to you in in, in the first place and I think that's and I think a lot of times I think sometimes we can practice that, that, that that tithe giving out of fear like if I don't give then maybe God won't bless me if I don't give then maybe this is the reason why I didn't get onto that course. Or maybe this is why my marriage was breaking down. Or maybe this is why this is not going so well. But I think when we can just vividly um, just account for what God has already blessed us in our lives, we have to ensure that giving tithes is out of a gratefulness and not out of, out of a fear. And, and like you said, you know, this was a practice that was common. This was a practice that was that was regular within other 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 regions of 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 of, of that of the ancient Near East, you know, of, of pagan gods, but but here we 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 see it kind of given to the true God, um, and and we we have to give out of a gratefulness out of what what God has done for us. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. God is doing. Even more for us. And in this story, like, especially with the similarities, you can see Melchizedek sort of acts as a mediator between the people and God. And we know, coming to the New Testament, Christ came and he died. He gave his life for us. We have salvation free. And now he's in heaven as the mediator. And, or mediating for us Warren I see your hands up can you also talk on the this point of greater priesthood this this sort of mediation that Christ is doing for
1: us yeah um and and, and before we we get we we get into that like it, for me what made this 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 that dude just so amazing is just that Abraham pays homage like like Abraham, we, we make songs about Abraham, right? Father Abraham had many sons. But really and truly, the song should really be about Melchizedek. Because it's almost as if Melchizedek is, is the one that Abraham looks to, or Abraham pays tithes. And and it's this superiority um, that, that also links back to Christ being our priesthood and Christ being um this kind of and this, this 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 typology of 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 christ um abraham uh, this great big figure even within judaism and now paul is using melchizedek to make a point about jesus christ and about priesthood and um paul here in in, in hebrews he's speaking to a jewish audience in terms of this is jewish christians People who have probably have been grown up Jewish, grown up into into that Judaism tradition, and they having a problem. This is a letter. Hebrews is a letter. This is a problem that 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 that's going on about this idea of priesthood and, and Christ. And it's almost as if he's using Melchizedek as a template or an example to to say that you know why do you have a problem accepting Christ's priesthood? when you have already accepted Melchizedek. And and the way that he compares Melchizedek to Christ, it's like, why do you have a problem that Christ is greater than the Levitical priesthood when this precedence has been established even within the father of your faith, Abraham? It's like the precedence already set, but you're still struck. Like Abraham paid homage to this dude that, we don't know much about we don't know his genealogy. He does not come through the criteria of a Levite or, or this this Levitical priesthood. In fact, I think he even make mention that uh, the Levites were in the loins of Abraham as they were paying homage. He says it's so beautifully written that the He's basically saying that the the Levites weren't even thought about, and Abraham basically paid homage. It's basically saying that you are in inside Abraham, you're still inside Abraham, and Abraham was paying homage to Melchizedek. So he's saying he's just using Melchizedek to say, listen, this president has been set. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He is your High Priest. He doesn't have to go through this concept of this Levitical um, idea that has been set through the traditions of Judaism. And you know what? That has been set before, way back in Genesis 14. But Christ is all that plus more. And that's the template. That Paul gives us in this Hebrew narrative, that 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 he is the superiority. He was a priest, and Christ is a priest. Melchizedek was a king, and Christ is a king. Melchizedek's name was righteousness and peace, and so too is Christ's name categorized as righteousness and priest. Uh, Melchizedek had no no genealogy he's he doesn't come from a lineage of priesthood he his father is not a Levite and just like Jesus he his father was not a, a a a Levite or his father wasn't from the lineage of that and and all of these comparison is to suggest to the people of Hebrews that Paul is writing to that you have already a president has already been set Jesus is the high priests kind of throw away your old tradition of what you thought about priesthood i want to take it one step higher and suggest to you that jesus is more than this levitical concept that you already know about warren seemed to have taken it home nah. but shut it down man shut it down
0: (laughs) crazy it's crazy and i'll just be honest like just from reading the story or knowledge of the story and knowledge of what christ has done for me i'm just grateful that we have a hope i'm just grateful that no matter what my sin or how i sin or whatever i do not taking sin for granted but when i fall down i know that there's someone who can pick me up and i'll just throw this out there like from this story like what sort of life lessons can we take home
1: yeah, I I also wanted to, to add to the previous point and to what Daniel also said. You know, earlier on Daniel said that that Melchizedek all through Hebrew is saying, you know, as the usual order of Melchizedek. It's alluding to as the usual order of Melchizedek. Um and 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 in, in verses Hebrew seven verses fourteen, there is this like um semantical substitute for order to likeness so it's not just saying that he is just like he's not he's not saying that he is Melchizedek but he is he's Jesus is 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 a, is a likeness so it's like um Jesus is just great like Melchizedek but he's more he's not just the order he's not just the the replica or the copy or the carbon copy he is the likeness, and I like the way that Pauls Paul add that distinction because all through Hebrew he's saying as the usual order of Melchizedek, but when he comes home to drive home the point about Jesus, it says Jesus is like; he's not just the order of; he is like Melchizedek; he's more <laughs> than uh, what you what I have described of him, um, and Melchizedek, and and and. And this is and this is how Paul is trying to describe Jesus as something Melchizedek plus Melchizedek plus, and and that's what he's given to, um, he's he's believers um, there. He is saying that it's since according to the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest. And and kind of going back to your question, Kes, about you know just the importance of understanding that Jesus Christ is our high priest, um, and understanding and, and understanding this, um, I of this shift between what we know in, in tradition and what Jesus trying to teach us. I think this uh, gives us a serves as a lesson that Christ that we should always seek to be so in tune to what jesus is trying to do and say to us on a daily basis that we cannot really not we cannot only fall back on our tradition because the levitical priesthood was good and relevant for that time it was good and relevant for um, the order of things back then but when jesus is trying to do a new thing when Jesus is trying to do or show something more than than, than what we already know, then then I believe that we have to find a way that we ensure that we are so in in tune of Jesus and and God that when he moves, we also move in his direction and ensure that we are where God wants us to be. That there was nothing inherently wrong with the Levitical priesthood, but it's just that God was still moving. God was still working. God was still showing, revealing himself. And we as Christians and we have people People and believers of Christ got to ensure that when Jesus moves, we move with him, that when Jesus reveals, we continue to allow ourselves to be open to the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with the Levitical priesthood, but it's just that God was doing more and doing a new thing and trying to take us a little higher. And we have to ensure as Christians within our personal lives that where is it that Jesus is taking us to, that we don't want to serve a God out of, we don't want to serve a God out of our tradition, out of past we have to serve God within our present we have to ensure that God is continuously presently uh showing up showing up and we have to be in tune with that and we I don't want to just serve a God from the past but I want to serve a God from the present and Hebrews and Paul is trying to let the readers know and using the example of Melchizedek that a president has been set Jesus Christ is doing something more than what you already know the priest is great he's doing more and for me and for you and I, we have to ensure that we don't allow our past or our past revelation to, to hinder our present um, um, connectivity to God. And I think that is that is key to, to, to our Christianity, that God is continuously doing, moving and doing stuff for us. And we have to be in tune with, with who and what God is
2: doing. Yo, everybody, that sums it up right there. <laughs> that sums it up right there. Listen, listen. Ah, man, we've been we've been so blessed. Like I've learned so much today um, from from Kessel, from Pastor Boy, um, just about the kids today. And I hope all of our listeners who are listening right now, like, you go study deeper. You know, we, you know, we touch the surface; you can't touch everything but you study deeper and see what the Lord is revealing to you. Listen, I think what sums up what uh, Pastor Moore was saying um, is uh, Hebrews chapter seven, verse 15, and I'll say this, in well, hello, I'm gonna read this, but uh, it's, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, like it literally just opened, it just opened up to me. Uh, Hebrews seven, verse 15, says, this change has been made very clear since a different priest who is like Melchizedek has appeared. Jesus became a priest, not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek." Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Listen. I think that's just. I think that's just perfect um, for all of us to understand. Is that through you know kids that do seeing his life, through, through seeing the things that he, you know, that he did in the text and what Paul was talking about him in Hebrews, listen. All uh, that ought to lead us to a reference about God. Uh, there are so many life lessons that were throughout this podcast. I hope you were blessed. Listen, this us would like to close out to all of our viewers who are listening. Uh, we're so grateful that you are listening. We ask that you tune in for our next podcast. Thank you, trust. Thank you, uh, Pastor Roy, for just blessing us today. And we hope by God's grace that we all look to Jesus, leaving those things behind and going to do the things that God is moving us to do. Bless. Be blessed.